This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20 to receive 20% off. They got a ton of stuff from the wrestling world, from all the major sporting leagues, anything you want. Comic books, new, old, they got it. Best thing is they ship worldwide. Even better, they update daily. So please visit them at firstrow.ca. If you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Super Mario Brothers 2, NBA Jam, Kingdom Hearts 2, and so many others. Everything you see on their websites available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. And if you want to support me directly, you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link, takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts, travel mugs, phone cases, anything you need or want, it is there. But the easiest thing, the freest thing, the best thing to do to support the show each and every week is rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is a two-time Emmy Award-winning cinematographer whose work has been featured on the likes of HBO, ESPN, TNT, Amazon, NFL Network, and Netflix, to name just a few. But most importantly, he is a fellow pork chop. Dean Kamada. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing great, my friend. How are you today? I'm doing excellent. Excellent. Okay, so we touched a little bit before, but you are, you're proud Portuguese, but you don't really speak Portuguese. Gosh, no. No, my parents spoke to me in, in you know, Portuguese and English growing up. Okay, you know? so they did. Okay, good. Oh, yeah, they did, but it's just like... You know, it just never took, but I understand it, you know, and, uh, uh, but it just never took, you know, I don't know if it was when I was little, I, I might, you know, maybe I was a little bit embarrassed about it. You sure. know, I, I was different than the other kids at school, maybe, you know, but my parents are Azorian from the island of Santa Maria. There Ooh. you go. 
you know, they immigrated here in the in the early '60s to. Um, Perfect. Well, my dad's side actually settled in Cambridge, Ontario, and uh, and then my mom's side of the family came all the way west to California. Crazy. And uh, settled in the Central Valley, and uh, and that's where I grew up. That's so crazy that split, and I always wonder that too because that was the thing. Everyone who immigrated here to North America, at least Canada and the U.S., obviously, there was that choice back then. You could either go to Canada or you could go to the states, no problem, as long as you were willing to work. You, yeah. you'd get in, like you know what I mean. And I always wondered, like, I, again, I love Canada. I'm proud Canadian, but why the fuck would you pick this crazy winters up here when you could have gone anywhere in the south in the states? I know, I know, right? Or, or- or just travel a little further and come west. Or where... that? <laughs> I don't get yeah. it. <laughs> I do not get it at all because, I, like, I love the winters. Like, I love doing stuff, activities in the winter and all that. But I see people, like, just suffering. Like, oh, I hate it. I'm like, then why did you come here? Like, uh, it, it makes no sense. I, I don't get it. But anyways, I digress. Have you ever been back to, to the islands to visit? Yes, I, okay. I have. Uh, the The very first time I got to go back was in '98, and my my uh, my parents um, really kind of wanted to take us back, and we nice. ended up going to Santa Maria, Trasada, and then we were in the mainland, and so awesome. that was like my first experience. And I, I, I probably have to say that's kind of when maybe everything like switched for me, where I was like, you know what, this is something you need to be proud of and embrace ah. you know when i got to like and then I, I remember being in san lorenz where where my father grew up and i'm like why did he leave <laughs> like this is this is wonderful like, i know like you know, i could have either you know had some cows or you know grow some grapes and fish and like i, I you know i i get it you know the 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 the, the choices for them when were 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 not so great back then and 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 they did it they did the move you know for a better life for themselves a better life for their family and and i got it but i think probably that trip in 98 really kind of flipped the switch for me and uh, i really i was always proud to be portuguese american but nice being able to be there and breathe the air and and see the culture and and visit where my, my mom grew up and visit where my dad grew up and really understand where they came from, you sure. know, to what they were able to accomplish in their lives and what they were able to set up for us as, uh, as, as children to be able to, to do and the opportunities that they, they provided for us. It was just tremendous. And I think from then on, it's, it's always kind of been a, a real love and, and I'm, I'm disappointed in myself that, even still to this day, I can speak a little bit, but <laughs> I get pressure and then I crumble under the pressure. <laughs> but the good thing is I can I can understand it. And then, and then even more recently, I've been able to go back with my career, being able to find a way to combine my craft and my culture. Awesome. And that to me has been really, really special. Oh, that's so cool. And uh, again, me burning Portuguese, I'm, I'm biased, but... I'm assuming you're just probably the same way. The, the cuisine is phenomenal. I love it. I, to this day, I cannot go at least a couple of days without eating some kind of Portuguese dish of some sort. Are you the same way? Or did you grow up on the pure homestyle Portuguese cooking? A, a little bit. My mom, my mom was, um, 
she became a chef by trade, oh, but shit. she learned other other different cuisines as well. Oh, so, okay. you know, we had the traditional sopas around the festa time sure. and, and um, uh, the cage fresca, you know, oh, yeah. and uh, with the pimenta sauce and, you know, linguiça. And, I mean, we did traditional Portuguese things. They, they would, you know, we'd slaughter a couple pigs every year and so that the whole family would have linguiça for, for the, you know, for the for the year and um and so i took part in doing that kind of stuff so yeah uh i really embraced the 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 cuisine a lot you know and uh and and like i said more recently with my one of the projects i was able to do a kind of travel cooking show mm-hmm. uh about P- portuguese cuisine so that has been really eye-opening and uh yeah it's been awesome. Now, uh, obviously, like myself, I don't need everything. Is there something that's so disgusting that you would never touch that you've seen on, from a Portuguese oh, yeah. I dish? Won't, I won't do the, the octopus. Like, I don't oh, care how you... I love I, octopus! I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I, it smells good. Okay. And, uh, but, damn it, if I can't put that thing in my mouth, I can't do it. Like, you know, I had the, the, the juice, you know, and I'll dip my bread into sure. the juice a little bit. Okay, that's not but, bad. Uh, I guess it's more the texture and the thing that freaks you out, right? Yeah, and bacalao is, bacalao has to be done right. Okay. Like, um, it has to be done right for me. It can't sure. be, I don't know what it is, maybe it's, well, it's kind of, there's always a grease element to it, but... It's got to be done right, and if it's done right, it's I, I love bacalao as well. Oh yeah, I'm the same way too. The one thing for me that I always say is like the pet pork, like a, a pig's foot. Like I don't know how anyone could eat like a pig's foot or pig's tongue or pig's ear. Yeah. Like all this extra meat that you just throw in into a stew and eat afterwards. It's like, like you see, I used to see my dad sucking like on a friggin' pig's nail. I'm like, what the f- what's going on here? Like why? Yeah. Leave the ears and the feet and the tongues alone, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, you know. I just, I just can't. Give me the good parts, the good parts, <laughs> and I'll take that. And where you grew up there in California, was it a predominantly Portuguese area? Was there a ton of Portuguese families around as well, or were you like the only ones? No, no, there was. My parents okay. were involved in the in the Portuguese um, uh, Pentecost Association, so oh. the Holy Ghost feast. Right. My dad was very much involved there. I, you know, we cool. we grew up kind of at the at the hall. You know sure. what I mean? And uh, and they would make us take part in the parades. And my sisters were queens, and uh-huh. I had to carry flags. Sure. And so it, it it the Central Valley. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the people that immigrated all the way out here out west. You know they. They started as ranch hands, and oh, uh, okay. they got into the dairy business, and sure. a lot of them, you know, started their own dairies or and got into ag, and uh, you know that's when my uncles came out here for, um, and they they went from being just immigrants working on a farm to owning their own farms, owning their own dairies, of course, and growing their business tremendously, and uh, and. Uh, yeah, so I, I was able to be connected with it, um, but uh, we weren't, like, immersed. Oh, yeah. And again, regular people don't well, – I'm saying regular. Non-Portuguese people don't understand as a child of being from Portuguese parents. You had no weekends. It was strictly either to clean around the house, to go to church, or to do the festas type of thing. And that's it. It was very rare. And then when you did have a weekend off, you'd either be at your cousin's house or one of your parents' friends' house. And that's it. Yeah. 
absolutely. It wasn't we didn't hang out with our friends. Right. Uh, you know, no stayovers. It was either with your cousin. And, and my my parents liked me staying at my uncle's during the summer. Cause, oh. cause, like they were they were dairymen. Right. So sometime my birthday's in June, and you know, sometime after my birthday, I'd be shipped off to the to the dairy, and my parents would like keep them. Keep them for a few weeks out there, you know, like have them, <laughs> have them work on the ranch. And so uh, I would do that during the summers. And, uh, yeah, that's where I kind of learned uh, the the importance of hard work, you know. And I also learned, like, heck, I don't know if I could cut it as a dairyman. So I better find something else to be able to do because this is all right. hard work. I know. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like the Portuguese lineage, it's either you're a farmer or you're a fisherman. Like that was pretty much the only jobs back in the day. Yeah. Well, I'm saying like our grandparents, so to speak, like maybe our parents spun off to other stuff, but our grandparents, yeah, everyone was either, or you were like the local, whatever, the barber or the guy who supplied the coal or the milkman, like, you know, and that's it. And right. Absolutely. Oh, and my dad crazy. grew up, he grew up in the Azores and he, Always got seasick, so he was never going to be a fisherman. <laughs> so he, went, he was never going to be a fisherman. That was my so, dad, too. You know, he was like, no, no boats for him. <laughs> oh, my God, that's hilarious. So when did, like, speaking of hard work, when did cinematography pop in your head? When did you think this was going to be a career? And when did you know you wanted to do this? Um, you know what? It, it was the movie Rocky. And, and oh. actually, specifically Rocky Three, okay, that introduced me to the idea of making movies. Right, mm. like it was the movie that I saw the other side of the screen for the first time. And I and my mom, she took me to that movie. Okay, I loved it. Uh, and uh, and I re- she bought me this this magazine about like. Uh, everything about Rocky and it was like the making of it had the uh, all these behind the scenes photos of the making of the movie and there's one photo in particular of Sylvester Stallone in his Rocky character mm-hmm. and he and he's in the ring and he has this massive Panavision 35 millimeter camera on his shoulder and the lights and you see all the and I was like whoa what is what's that you know sure what's that and uh and and that just introduced me to the idea that what you're seeing on tv or on the movies it's not just it doesn't just appear like Mm. like people work to make that kind of come together and and so i think it was my fifth or sixth grade year i think it was sixth grade my mom and she told me this uh, a few years later. She spent her Christmas bonus okay. and bought me this little Fisher Price black and white camera oh. that Fisher Price made. It was That's called awesome. the PXL two thousand. Okay. It's like a collector's item now, hmm. and it shot black and white audio video on like cassette tapes. Shit. Yeah, and like, and so I bought that. I mean, I bought that. My 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 mother got me that for Christmas yeah. and and I went to kind of like just start making little movies and it was no editing you had to do it all in the camera okay. and so you know like I said I had uncles that had dairies and I had cousins and on the weekends on those times that I'd be with my cousins uh, 
we would make little movies. We'd make Rambo movies. <laughs> like we, were, we had we had ATVs, we had BB guns, and oh we had God. lots of land. And so we'd go out and you know we'd make little Rambo movies. That's you awesome. know, I'd, uh, I'd try, I'd direct and shoot, sure, and have my cousins act. And then the one <laughs> thing you get a kick out of this. The one thing we did a lot of uh. was we did fake, re- we did wrestling. Oh my God! So we would make a ring in the family room. And I'd have a cousin be the commentator, sure. the announcer, and then we'd have my cousins wrestle each other. <laughs> that's awesome. And I'd film it, you know, and uh, oh. it, that's kind of where it started. And then, you know, eventually throughout high school, <clears throat> you know, my parents really pushed the idea of of college and getting a higher education. Okay. And when I started kind of putting my mind to it, well, what what would you do, like? when I, I realized that film school was an option and I was like, I didn't know, like, it wasn't like, Oh, this is what I'm doing. But I'm like, well, if I'm going to have to go to college, I'm going to film school. Sure. Of course. Makes sense. School in San Francisco and, uh, went to the cinema department there and, uh, I got a bachelor's in, uh, cinema. Oh, that's so cool. And now you are, you have your own, your own company and all that. Yeah, Sinasa yeah, Digital. Yeah. Like, when did when does this come to be? When did you want to create your own company? And where did you get the name from? Um. Well, so right out of after I graduated from film school, I worked for a uh, the Gala Wine Corporation. I did okay. in house video production for them for for several years, and then uh, a friend of mine from film school we. We started our own business, and that was a successful business, but we did a lot of corporate stuff, okay. and there's a little bit of entertainment here and there, and then we split in, uh, in 2014, and then then I started Sinasta Digital Productions, and I, you know what, to be honest, I wanted something that sounded Portuguese, to be honest. Oh, okay. And, and Sinasta, I guess, translates to filmmaker in Portuguese, so ah. I was like, well, digital filmmaker. So Sinas the Digital Productions started in, you know, uh, 2014. And that's where I think my career shift really happened for me. Because, like I said, we had, we were doing lots of cool stuff. Sure. You know, uh, we we never wanted to be the wedding video guys. Okay. And we, we weren't going to dabble in porn, you know. In <laughs> that's right, because you're in California. Yeah, I mean, it, it can happen, you know? I mean, it's hey, it's not that hard to, like, right? you know, got a camera, got some lights, you know? <laughs> but we were like, those were our two rules. It was like, no no porn, okay. no wedding videos. Sure. Because the porn guy and the wedding video guy is not going to win an Emmy, and he's not going to win an Oscar. That's so, true. You know, Good point. Uh, so, and then we, we, we did some things that were successful, some things that were failures, and then I think it just ran its course. You know, kind of like all partnerships, it kind of just comes to an end. You have your your good times, your bad times. And then we were just at a point where I think creatively and just kind of mindset wise, we were just on two different pages. And I had to really take the biggest gamble of my life because I was never one to I was never the idea guy or the business guy. I just wanted to shoot and create. Um, but I really had a gamble on myself and I said, look, you you know, this is the time where you're going to, you're either going to fail or succeed and you're going to do it on your own. Mm. And I I figured I might as well try to fail at the highest level that I could, (laughs) you know, if I was going to do it, I was going to just kind of go all in. And so 
I, I, there I am, you know, I, I, uh, on my own. And the first project I did was a, a documentary on a high school football team, actually my old high school. Um, oh. when I went to high school, uh, they had a good, um, tradition of being a great football school. Mm-hmm. But during my time, we sucked. Okay. Like, <laughs> like, I think I won twice in four years of playing football. Jeez. I mean, we just, it was, it was, it was, it was really, really bad. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so, you know, fast forward to 2014, they become a powerhouse again. Okay. And, uh, they had won three straight titles, wow. uh, cha- state, uh, championships. And, I just kind of said, uh, you know, that, that seems like an interesting story. Uh, I had, I had the opportunity to, to meet with the coaches and stuff. And at first it was just like, Hey, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, uh, some highlight videos for you guys. And, you know, we'll put it on, on YouTube and mm-hmm. just, just see how it goes. But I quickly realized there was a story to tell there. And I ended up doing a, a short doc, not a short documentary, but it was an hour long documentary called Chasing Four. And they ended up going undefeated and winning a fourth straight uh, state title. Wow. And uh, my cameras were there to, to kind of capture it all. And uh, going back for, for a minute, when I was mm-hmm. when I had my other company and we we really didn't have much. I also had the opportunity to try out for NFL films. Oh, and, OK. And that happened in like 2001, 2002. Oh, uh, and uh, you know, my partner was the business guy, the idea guy, and I was the ex, uh, the the guy who executed. And so, while we had no money coming in, I had the opportunity to try out uh, for NFL Films, and um, I slowly kind of worked my way into you know being uh, someone that they called on. It was like I did my I did a tryout in 2002 and I, I didn't get my first job really with them until like 2005. And, uh, wow, yeah. that's crazy. It, the first stuff was, the first stuff was like, uh, just little video intros for the EA sports Madden game. Okay. Like sometimes, I don't know if you remember when you loaded the game up, like a player would come on and be like, EA sports, it's in the game. Right. So I did like a couple of years worth of that kind of stuff. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, you know, and it slowly kind of m- morphed from there. And um, I, I had an opportunity a few years later to do the Hard Knock show on HBO in go. 2007. And that for me was a kind of a breakthrough moment because before then I hadn't really met the people from NFL Films. I was a name on a list. I was a oh. voice on the other line of the on the okay. on the phone, and and I really didn't do too many games at that point. Mm-hmm. But I had the opportunity to do that, and that kind of really changed the game for me. And so when I went on my own, that was the only client that I took from my old business. I was like, that's the a NFL good client. <laughs> yes, like, I, right. Like I grew that. I, I nurtured that's it. They smart. were hiring. My company, they were hiring me. Right. And so that was the one client that I walked away with. And, uh, and, and between that and a few other projects, it kind of just allowed me to finally make that jump from doing, uh, you know, a project here and there and then mm-hmm. a lot of corporate stuff to flipping it, doing more entertainment based, more 
documentary based stuff and then mm. sprinkling in some corporate stuff when I had time. Right. And, and that was kind of the, the flip back there in 2015 where things really started to take off for me. That's good. And now currently you're, you're still working with the NFL. I saw you posting that you were like there the first few weeks of the season and everything. It's like, wow. Yeah. That's a, So are you recording stuff live footage or is this for future projects? No, no, no. So the broadcast team is like they, they have their own crew. <clears throat> okay. NFL Films captures the league for historic purposes oh. and for, for shows that they use for other networks. Gotcha. So you'll always see our stuff after the game when you see those slow motion highlights of the ball spiraling through the air yes you hear, you hear the mic'd up player the mic'd up coach um that's nfl films and and that's 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 what i've been able to to do my my kind of forte is those mic'd up moments where players or coaches are mic'd up and and i have headphones on and and I'm listening, and, and they, they put the microphone, it's, they bury it in the pads. Right. And um, I'm like a fly on the wall. No, I um, love I love that type of shit, too. <laughs> like, to me, that's that's even better than watching live football. Like, eat, like uh, I don't know if you ever uh, watched the Netflix series Quarterback. Like, something, yeah, well, yeah. There's a perfect example of stuff where guys are mic'd up throughout the whole season, and you get, like, the hits, this, and, like, you feel more of the storyline than you do of just watching a competitive game. Like, you know what I mean? Like your heart's more into it. And especially not having any allegiance to any team. If you're not a fan of any of those quarterbacks. Right. Right. Exactly. I I had the opportunity to work on a few of those uh, games uh, for that shit, for that series. Oh, nice. Yeah. I know all the guys that worked on that and they're, you know, they're some of the best in in the nation uh, that do what they do. And, um, uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's hard to <laughs> like. I grew up being a Niner fan. I okay. did, but somewhere along the way, I became less of a specific team fan and more just a fan of the game. Like, uh-huh. it, it doesn't really matter who wins or loses. I just want a good game. Okay, you know, That's and fair. I find myself even on the weekends that I don't shoot, <laughs> I'll be watching a game and I. <laughs> And I'll be cheering for both offenses. I'm like, oh, that's a great play. Great play. You know, oh, good hit. Like, like you know, and people are like, who are you cheering for? I'm like, I don't know. I'll just. <laughs> that's hilarious. I just want to see a good game. So, and, oh. and I remember, I remember it was the playoff game between the 49ers and the Seahawks up in Seattle. And it was a okay. game that is very famous for Richard Sherman and Michael Crabtree having a confrontation in the end of the game and mm. Sherman went off on the broadcast but it was that specific game that okay. the Niners lost you know and right. and I'm at the airport you know and I had a pretty good game I felt like I you know because you're only as good as what you last shot especially at the NFL sure it's like if you have a bad game you know you you might you may or may not work the next week you know like if you have multiple bad games like That's there's right. no yeah. room for just having a bad game, right? You, even if you have a bad moment, you got to be able to recover and and still like push on. Mm-hmm. And and I remember, oh, you know, I felt driving to the airport, I felt like I had a pretty good game. It was a playoff game, and it didn't even dawn on me that the 49ers had lost. Like my team had <laughs> lost, and I'm I'm sitting there at the airport, oh. and I'm finally like, it's always a rush. It's like. 
you have all this gear. It's like you, you drop the the car off of the rental car. You got to get in the shuttle with all your gear, and you, then you have to the, you get to go to the thing. And you're you're checking in all your luggage, and you get you're running to your gate. And then yeah. I'm finally at the gate, and I'm taking a deep breath, and I realize everybody around me is in red and gold, <laughs> and everybody is upset. Like everyone <laughs> is having a bad moment, and mm. I I'm like, whew, I made my flight. I'm gonna get home. Like, I feel <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, Dean. You're not a fan. Oh my god! Like, you should be upset right now, and I wasn't. True. And I didn't get. I didn't give two shits that they didn't win, and yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, and plus working with the NFL too, and being around it so often, like you said, like I, I guess it would be hard to root for a team if you're working and you have to sort of be biased because you can't only just like imagine if you were to like film a, a 49ers game back in the day when you were like a true fan. Like, some of you would want to just be on all just the 49. Like, you know what I mean? So there's some bias there, right? Yeah, yeah, but you quickly have to put that aside. I mean, I remember my tryout. I remember my tryout. Um, I had sent a demo reel into NFL Films. Um, I didn't hear anything for a while. Then all of a sudden I get a call from a number I didn't recognize. And... Um, it was the head of the cinematography, this, this man by the name of Steve Andrich, who's a great mentor and friend of mine, who still shoots today for NFL Films. Nice. And I, I don't think I said many words other than hello. And then he told, he was like, yes, Steve Andrich, NFL Films. I just saw your demo reel. And I, and I was speechless. And then ultimately he told me, pick a game in the preseason. We're going to send you a camera. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if you can shoot football. Nice. And and then uh, a mentor, another mentor of mine, Phil Bowen, who's a great assistant camera operator who had worked with NFL Films, I said, well, can I have Phil as my as my AC? And they were like, that's a good choice. And mm. so I remember being in awe, stepping into Candlestick for the first time, like completely at oh, awe. Right. And, but it, it didn't take me long to, to kind of just remember what I was doing there why I was there and it, it and then it just became like just capture good stuff and and luckily Phil was a, a, a he was a veteran he was able to give me pointers and then kind of everything else was was up to me you know and uh but it, again I, I tried out and it still was a very slow many year process to actually I felt like you know I was I was you know the I guess the tests went well and they they finally got me onto one job then it was two jobs and it was three jobs and right. it was like c squad b squad you know and, uh, okay. and you know what i mean I, and here 20 seasons later i still kind of feel at times like a, a rookie you know because mm. you're working with guys that have done games for 30 plus years and they're they're some of the best sports cinematographers in the nation and of course you just kind of realize you're just you're maybe not that good. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I guess it's a good thing because then it grounds you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, so it just, you quickly realize <laughs> that that fandom stuff right. will get you uh, not far. Uh, of course. On the football field. But it, trust me, it was it was a very surreal moment. And it still is. It still <laughs> is. To this. It is. I still soak it in, but I don't linger on it. And I just, I kind of just focus on what I have to do. What's what's your favorite stadium you filmed at so far? Oh gosh, <laughs> yeah. oh, I don't. I, I, it's a hard toss up 
Um, okay. Because I judge it based on logistics. Like oh. How easy is for me to park, get my gear in, get to my position? Hey, that's fair. For whatever reason, hey, it's, you know, it's your choice. And, and, and still, it goes back to the Arizona Stadium and uh-huh. the Phoenix uh, uh, Cardinals. They, their stadium is uh, it's a beautiful stadium to shoot in. It's easy to get in, easy to get out. <laughs> but that. I've I've been able to. Out of the 31 stadiums, I've shot at like 26. Wow. And That's last awesome. year, I did my first game in Foxborough, and that was oh. a beautiful stadium. That was that was gorgeous. But Seattle yeah. is also just gorgeous. Minnesota is gorgeous. Yeah, I've heard. You know? So it's like, it's, it's hard to pick one, but if I have to pick the favorite, it has to go back to Arizona because... I can literally I have my cart full of gear. I can have a little <laughs> cup of coffee in my hand, and I can go from the, the the parking lot almost to my position without having to even put my coffee down. Okay. I get through security, show my credentials, and it's like it's there, smooth, no steps. It's like boom, boom, boom. You're there. You get to shoot a game. Yeah, I would make that my favorite too. Tell you the truth, because <laughs> I know how it is. I, just as a fan trying to get in and out of stadiums with parking and shit, I couldn't even yeah. imagine like people like yourself. Like you know what I mean? Like you, like I, I know for you it's a job and all that stuff, but you still want to be in and out as fast as you can. You know what I mean? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Some stadiums are horrendous <laughs> to get out of. Kansas City is a nightmare oh. to leave, <laughs> and and even Levi Stadium, my home yeah. stadium. Is, is not it's not easy you, it's better to just chill for a while oh. and relax before you start to like head out but in kansas city they fire up the barbecue again win or lose <laughs> snow or not they're back to partying that's awesome until they get kicked out oh my god that must be such a cool atmosphere well the other sport you've also filmed and done cinematography for is mma for ufc yeah. in yeah. most specifically the dana white contender series so how did all this it's Dana White looking for a fight. Oh, looking for a fight. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, but still, how did this opportunity come to be? And when did you get your foot in the door with MMA? Um, I've always loved him. I always loved combat sports. Okay. I, 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 I loved boxing growing up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, nice. Mike Tyson, and 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 I, some of my fondest memories is watching you know boxing with my dad. You know. And, uh, and, you know, kind of after Tyson lost and through high school and, and, and college, I, I kind of went away from it, but I, I've Same always here. loved it. And then when MMA came around in the late nineties, I was like, yo, this is, <laughs> this is the combat sport, like a choice. Like, right? yes. I mean, MMA, like whatever your arts is, whatever your combat background is, let's get into a ring or a cage or whatever and let's see what you got. Who's the baddest? Who can be, you know, the, the greatest? And, and I, so I took to it right away and I loved it. And then actually, um, with my, with my old business partner, we, we had a chance to do a kind of a regional MMA show in okay. 2011 called American Cage Fighter. And, we in this area too, in Sacramento, LA, in the Bay Area, there's a lot of MMA guys, yeah. and there was a lot of UFC Strike Force guys, mm. and there was a lot of also just regional fights, regional promotions, and 
I was like, man, let's let's take some of the experience I have with with you know shooting NFL and let's kind of incorporate it into MMA a little bit. You know, putting microphones on trainers or or you know in the corners and like you know like following uh, fighters kind of through their process and ah, and and it also harkens back to my love for Rocky. It was just like, right? you know what I mean? It's just it just kind of like. In every MMA fight, there's kind of a little Rocky story sure. there, and you and you, you just you try to find it, and hone in on it, and so we did that for that was on Comcast Sportsnet, and it was a really successful thing. We didn't have access to do UFC at the time, but we'd go film these guys fighting on these regional cards. Mm-hmm. Well, they were being trained by UFC fighters, and they uh, would you know, and they were at gyms that had UFC fighters. So we would right. we would show the action from these regional events, but we would do features on these UFC guys. And then, Smart. and then, um, and like I said, that was 2011, 2012. And then, and then when I went on my own, I, it was quiet for a while for me. And, I, uh, I didn't know, you know, I was pushing uh, to do jobs here and there. I was Mm. trying to make connections. And then this goes back to like, you never know who you impress or who you meet throughout your career, your life that will somehow in some way touch you. And I I got a call from a guy I'd never met before. Uh, His name is Rory Karf. And he was actually a producer from NFL films that had went on his own. And he has had some very good success doing 30 for 30 documentaries, oh, okay. uh, the book of Manning, um, the Ric Flair story, oh, cool. uh, and, and very successful director. And he had gotten my name from a colleague back East and he needed someone to film in LA for, um, for actually a project with, uh, with Snoop. It was, uh, called Snoop and son. It was, uh, it was a documentary on 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 uh, Snoop and his older son mm-hmm. uh, uh, playing high school football. Okay, gotcha. And, uh, so I went out there. I think he thought I lived in L.A., which I don't. I live five hours from L.A., but I said I'd work as a local. I said, yeah, no problem. I, okay. I can do the job. So I drove the five hours, paid for the hotel, <laughs> shot the game, and then I drove back. I didn't have money for another right. night at the hotel, so I drove back. Yeah. But I, I met the guy, and... And again, I, I, it was just a one-off. I didn't know it was going to lead to anything else. But the two things he came away, or the three things he came away from uh, about me, was knowing that I was a hard worker. Mm. I loved MMA, and we loved the same band, Faith No More. Oh shit! <laughs> and, and and those things alone, like like you know, again, I, I didn't know if there was going to be more of this work or not. Right. But a little bit after that, he calls me. He goes. Hey man, uh, I I just got a job for a project that I think you're going to want to be part of. Mm. And he goes, it's a, it's a part travel show, part comedy, part action, uh, reality series with MMA, and it's involving Dana White and the UFC. And I was just like, <laughs> Yo, when, where, what do you need? Right? And you know, I was like, and again, I. I did the job for the Snoop thing with him and I didn't know what kind of impression I left on him. Right. Actually, we had, I was, I had a really bad audio guy that oh, really no. was, was not doing well. <clears throat> okay. And I thought that was going to reflect on me. You know what I mean? So I walked away from that first shoot, not knowing what this guy really thought of me, but right. you know, 
it, it, it proved to be one of like the biggest, you know, changes for me because, uh, with the projects I've done with Rory has brought me on to, uh, the projects I've always kind of dreamed about doing the Dana White looking for a fight show is literally the, the recipe of what I think a perfect show is. Mm. And, uh, we've been able to do 21 episodes of them and it's kind of at the behest of Dana and his schedule. Right. Um, they're all available on YouTube. Um, and it, it, it opened doors for me to, uh, do other things with the UFC. We, when COVID hit, mm. uh, I don't know if you recall, but Dana was like hell bent on continuing to do shows. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he, he threw out the term that even if I have to go to an Island, I'm putting on shows. Oh, fight but Island. Fight Island became a thing. <laughs> and, yeah. And then I, I remember seeing that tweet. Can I say tweet or a, a, an X? I don't even know what the fuck. You I say. still, I call it X, but I still say tweets. So I say it should be fucking burned. But anyway, <laughs> I saw that tweet <clears throat> And I fucking text Rory and I'm like, yo, tell me, tell me you're getting the behind the scenes all access doc on fucking fight. I <laughs> the joke I said that. Right. And he was like, ha ha, I know I saw that. Well, fast forward like, I don't know, not even three months later, two mm. months later, he texts me and he goes, fight island is real. We're going. <laughs> don't get sick. <laughs> <laughs> and... We did. I ended up doing all. I did parts of all three COVID bubbles that they put on on Fight oh. Island in like it was like July, September, and then January of the following year. And gotcha. the, the we did um, the the series we did was called uh, UFC Fight Island Declassified, mm. and uh, uh, it was a five part mini series, I believe, on the whole kind of spectacle that Fight Island was. Um, gotcha. And I also got to edit on that project. So I, I took on a little bit more responsibilities nice. for that. And actually, this is where my Portuguese background kind of came slightly into play. Okay. Because we go to Fight Island. There's a bunch of Brazilians, right? What do Brazilians speak? Obviously, Portuguese, right? yeah. So no one fucking understood Portuguese. But I at least understood enough. what they were enough to like get by, sure. find out what times they were training, understand uh, just of the conversation. Yes, yes. You know, and so Rory was like, "Well, that settles it. You're with all the Brazilians." Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I I covered all the Brazilians while I was on Fight Island, and and uh, we we got to be there for the fights, seeing a a, a UFC fight with no crowd. Right. Very, I, I was just going to ask that. Uh, like, how bizarre is that? Even f as the workers, not having it, no background noise, right? It was so bizarre. You yeah. hear, a, you hear, you hear the feet kind of brushing on the canvas. You, you, wow. you hear like, you hear the like spray of the sweat hitting the gloves. Oh, you, I mean, the punches. You, you just hear everything. And the great thing, actually, that I thought was very cool about it, mm. the corners were able to communicate to their fighters very clearly. Good point. During, they weren't competing. They were able to kind of help the fighters throughout and kind of just keep them in position. And, like, uh, yeah, that was – because with the broadcast, I mean, there was there was a few hundred people in, in this space. And the people in Abu Dhabi, we were, we were, like, in this, like – 
it's called Yaz Island, okay. and it's an island only because like three sides. It's a harbor, and then like three sides is like a canal. So it's like oh, okay. barely an island. Right. Like, you, you go over a bridge for like a half a second, and you're on the island. Okay, but gotcha. It had it had beachfront, and it was very cool, and it was technically an island. Uh-huh. And they they had like two or three hotels cordoned off for us, and then they built this kind of arena, and. And we, uh, that's where all the fights were. And, uh, it was very bizarre because also with the broadcast schedule, we were, we were going into the arenas at like 9 PM at night mm. and then coming out at like 4 AM and it's like in Abu Dhabi, it's hot. Yeah. It's just a little bit hot. Yeah. Like, and when I say hot, it's like one Oh two at like 2 AM. Jesus. Like, it, it's hot, and so like the, the 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 arena that they have for us, they keep everything very cold. Everything's oh. super cold. The hotels, air conditioning is pumping nice. in Abu Dhabi. Okay, and so you'd go in into this dark environment, and it's, it's very much like a TV show uh, studio, and and you would do your thing, and then we'd come out at like four a.m., five a.m. when the sunrise, the heat would hit you, and the the sun would hit you, and then you'd go try to get some sleep uh, afterwards, but that, it was just very bizarre to have that kind of schedule for, for something like that. Yeah. I could only imagine my God. How about any other sports? Did you get involved in anything else or do you want to be a part, say like NHL, NBA, anything else? Um, I love it. I loved NBA. I've done a few things with the NBA, but nothing, okay. nothing to write home about. You couldn't pay me enough to shoot baseball. That is the fucking boringest. I agree. I'm sorry. I, I it's just, <laughs> I, you know what? To be honest, I in, I don't know. I guess 2012, the San Francisco Giants and the Detroit, whatever the team is in Detroit. Uh, I think it's a Tigers. Maybe? Yes, Tigers. the Tigers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tigers. Yeah. They're, uh, you know, World Series, and I got a call from someone in Detroit. It was very much not kind of what I do, but they needed someone just to do kind of a, a sports news kind of like wrap up uh, for a sports th- uh, channel in, in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And so somehow they got my name uh, and and the first two games were in San Francisco. And and my job actually was uh, <laughs> didn't even start till the end of the game. So I had an all access pass to the World Series. Wow. And I'm. I remember having a conversation with myself saying, Dean, this is the Super Bowl of baseball. <laughs> excited about this. You need to be engaged. Oh my you God. need to be like into it. Oh man. And and I was through the national anthem. And then <laughs> and you know, the first pitch was thrown and I was like, yo, I'm how done. long is this gonna take? I, I don't know. know. It's just baseball's not my sport. So I, I mean, yes, I would do other sports. But between MMA and football, it's like I, I I love those two sports like unconditionally. It keeps me away from my family enough, and so you know to to like want to do other things. I would if it didn't involve baseball. I have my friend. I have colleagues that do NASCAR, that do NBA, that okay. do 
off, you know. Right. But I just, I don't know. I just, it's the opportunities have never emerged enough that I like. I can say I do it on a regular basis, you know. How about just like non-sports? Like, say, like, would you want to dabble in like movies, full production movies, and stuff like that? Um, I yes and no. I, I thought early on in my career was narrative feature films is what I thought I wanted to do. Okay. But, you know, and, and I had written, you know, I'd taken the time to write scripts and to understand, you know, how to, how to write uh, a good story. Oh, okay. I was never really, there was never anything that really was too passionate for me. And once I got into the world of like documentaries and sports, mm-hmm. you know, cinematography, it eliminated the two things I hate about narrative production. Oh. And the and 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 this is true on a, any type of produ- narrative production. If and the two things that it was was actors and scripts, because it doesn't matter if the film is a fifty thousand dollar budget or a five hundred million dollar budget. Mm. In the narrative world, if your script isn't fabulous, like beyond good mm. like and it works for the 90 or 120 pages that's there right if that doesn't work in com- com- combination with the actors if those two things do not work it doesn't matter the production value of the movie it doesn't matter anything else they it will suck gotcha. you know yeah i mean you know what i mean like how many times have you watched like like Transformers is a good example. Like the first one was okay, but like, like how many times, like you can't put enough explosions, enough CGI. Like if it just I sucks, know. it sucks, you know? <clears throat> exactly. And, 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 and so I, I would take the opportunity to do it if the right opportunity came. And, okay. and, and more, more recently, um, I've been able to uh, to do a little bit more of that, and I've I've enjoyed it, and I've actually started to do a little bit more on the on producing and directing side of things, not just oh, nice. cinematography. So, um, yeah, I would definitely do it if the right opportunities uh, uh, present themselves. Now, do you just hate it when you watch something and it's horribly shot, and people are just like, "Oh, this is amazing," and you're like sitting in the background, like, th- like, do you stop watching stuff because of that? Well, you immediately just recognize. You immediately like I assess and I see. Okay, what kind of lighting's being used? Oh, like, you, go, you go way like, deep. Where is it positioned? What kind of <laughs> instruments being used? Oh shit! Oh, they went from that shot is like uninterrupted for thirty <laughs> seconds, you know, and then it's a it's good editing. So it's like I don't say it's like one particular thing that oh. I, but I just I, I notice it and I see it all, and then that allows me to appreciate the good ones. Uh Sure. All the more. That's like, true. I remember, you remember Blair Witch? Of course. Blair Witch, right? Oh, right? loved it. I remember, you know, that was like right right before I got out of film school, you know, okay. and everyone around me is a budding filmmaker. Everyone is thinks they're the next Lucas. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I remember hearing some of my friends just talk about how shitty the production of it was and the camera work and this and that. But I... I go, man. Actually, no. They <laughs> they embraced it. They utilized it mm-hmm. to their advantage, and good for them. Right? Like they figured it out, 
they figured it wasn't just it wasn't one thing that made that film great. It was a combination of many things: exactly. script, concept, the actors. I mean, it just it worked. You know, any other kind of combination, it it might not have worked. And same's true with like the first Rocky. Mm. I mean, that guy took his chances on that. You know, he he took his he demanded that he not only he wrote it, he wanted to be in it. You know, they were very innovative in how they shot it. Right. And how it looked. Mm-hmm. I mean, the steady cam was invented with that whole run up the stairs that ah, Rocky does. Okay. That, the steady cam was invented for that shot. That's and, crazy. Um, I never knew that. And 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 so it's like I I I appreciate the films overall, like after you just kind of see the work that's been put into it. If you throw a lot of and I like films that don't have a lot of like special effects. I like right. simple good films. You know, um, I mean, I just finished watching the Hob the Page film that those guys oh, produced yeah. at the time. Yeah. Fucking fabulous. Is it? Okay, I haven't watched it yet. Dude, fabulous. Low budget in some aspects, but you don't see that on the on the screen, man. Right. You see good storytelling. You see great cinematography. And, and it's... They fucking knocked it out of the park, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know the director, you know, offhand, but good for them because what they did in that film. And I'm a little jealous because they are the first narrative film that has harnessed the spirit of the Azores a little bit. Uh, you know what? It's true. Yeah, of course. In 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 on so many levels, mm. from from just how people live. In the different villages, the right. the, the poverty yes, that exists there, I know. In the beauty and the 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 the, the wonder that the, the Azores are, it mm-hmm. just those sons of guns, man, they captured it beautifully, man. It was, oh, it was that was a, a done very well. No, and <clears throat> yeah, like I'm not, I'm no cinematographer myself, but it bothers me too when I see like the little small stuff that you shouldn't see. Like my two biggest ones are when you see a cameraman's reflection in something that I don't know why that bothers me. And the most infamous, even though this happens more on TV than it does in movies or anywhere else, when you see the microphone boom drop a bit and it gets yeah, in the screen, I'm yeah, like, oh, it. come on guys. You could have just cut that. Like, ah. <laughs> You, you watch enough novellas, you'll see that shit all the time. Oh, right? shit, I can imagine. Yeah, but see, and stuff like that, I, it's kind of different because they're pr- yeah. turning out so much, like, you know what I mean? So they don't have really time to edit all the nitty-gritty stuff, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, it's funny. I, I notice all that, too. <laughs> you know, shadows, you know, continuity. But uh, I, I think just being able to do what I've done, I just, I just when I see a good film that I can relate to or enjoy i just enjoy it a whole lot better because i i appreciate the time that goes into the production side and the editing side because you like i said all those elements have got to work for you as a fan for you as a viewer to be like immersed in something willing to suspend reality you know enjoy your popcorn or your fan right. or go into a dark room and go okay entertain me and i'm gonna accept it Exactly. You know, so many things have to go into allowing a person uh, to do that, and I, and that's that's what I kind of like walk away from when I see good production. 
No, for sure. Okay, one last thing I want to touch on before I let you go, my friend. You won Emmy Awards. Like, this is huge. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what, what, like, what, when did you win your first one? For what? And how did you honestly make that feel for you? Like, come on, let um, the truth. Well, you know what? So I, I have to thank the, my family at NFL Films because okay. it, both of them were for uh, the cinematography uh-huh. and art. Okay. And I was just one of uh, many people on that production. Uh, uh, great, talented individuals on the sound department, producing side, mm. and the cinematography side. And uh, the 2000, it was for the, gosh, I think it was the, the, the Rams one and the uh, Browns one. Okay. So it was like, the, the, yeah, so it was those two different hard knocks. And, I mean, I've worked on shows with NFL Films and uh, and, uh, and other folks that have won awards, but I've never been on a production where I've contributed enough to receive the award. Ah, okay. You know, so and and, sure. and you know, I don't want to burst your bubble, but I wasn't in a black tie, walking the red carpet. I was gonna say, right? No, no, I, I wasn't. I was, I was at home, and you know, the, the the representatives from NFL Films, they they won the award. They just they bestowed their their camera crew that had contributed enough uh, uh, with with the uh, the honor to to receive the Emmys. My name is on it. It's an official, you know, That's Emmy awesome. and everything like that. And like I had the director call me on the first one, say, "Hey, man, well, let you know the uh, uh, the Hard Knocks is up for an Emmy." And I was like, "Oh, that's awesome! Congratulations!" He said, "No, Greg, congratulations to you because mm-hmm. if it if it wins, you're you're gonna get a you're gonna get a trophy, man. You're gonna your name's gonna be on that list." And I was like, "Whoa, really? What does that mean?" He's like, "Well, you know, you, you you'll get a statuette and your name will be engraved and it'll it'll." Uh, it'll be a thing, you know? And so that's kind of how it happened for both of them. And it was an honor to, uh, to, to get it. And, and I have, I actually had, I had both of them. I didn't know what to do with the damn trophy. Like when I got it and the statuette and it's beautiful and it's big. All those things would be glued to my hands and I'd be walking around yeah. smiling at everyone. <laughs> I, well, I was, I, I, I knew what it, the significance of it. And I, really? I was like, I didn't know what to do with it, and I gave them to my parents, and I had oh. my parents have on their mantle. Oh, nice! And both of them uh, were there. I have one here. More recently, my wife wanted me to bring one back, um, but uh, but yeah, I, who who better to actually look at the Emmy every day? It's true. Uh, my parents, and and you know, my father passed away a year and a half ago, mm. and you know, everything everything I've done, I. I uh, you know, I've done to make him proud, make my mom proud. Oh, and so that's nice. it, it didn't, I, I, it was a quick kind of decision. It's like, you know, what, what to do with these Emmys and mm-hmm. they just belong in my parents' house. And, and, you know, ultimately it, they, they will stay there until, until my mom passes. And, and then, I, then I'll still have to decide what to really do with it. You know? Well, you can pass them to your kids then. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Well, Dean, thank you very much for coming aboard today, my friend. It was an honor. It was a pleasure. Promote anything you want, socials, where people could find you, hire you, your works, anything. Well, you know, one last thing I do want to say is when we're talking about narrative, um, I have been able to work over the last several years with the Portuguese kids. I met Brian and Derek back in like 2017, 18. Okay. And we, we both respected each other from afar. And we've dabbled on projects here and there sure. over the last few years. But 
for the last two and a half, three years, we've been embarking on what I think is probably my biggest project to date. And um, it's more narrative in, 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 in character. And I've been able to collaborate with them. Uh, and we're, we've wrapped the project up. It's, it's going to be a television series. Oh, nice. And it'll be coming out soon, very soon. Okay. And that's really all I can really say about it right now. But uh, we, that has been a, a really, a, it's a, been a blessing of a project to be involved in because, you know, working with other talented Portuguese Americans mm-hmm. who had kind of had the same kind of like up, uh, upbringing as I did. And to be able to kind of from coast to coast collaborate on something that, that celebrates our culture, that right. embraces uh, the comedy of it, and us to kind of just put our creative hats in the same uh, ring. Uh, I'm very proud of it. And so, yeah, pay attention to the Portuguese kids because uh, news on that project will be releasing uh, very soon. Cool. And, uh, you know, as far as that, I don't do too much social media. If you want to check me out on Instagram on, on Synapta Digital Pro, you can just look up Dean Camara. Uh, and my Facebook page, uh, Synapta Digital Productions. Go like my uh, production company's uh, site. But I don't, I don't X, I don't tweet much. <laughs> um, but I'll, I, I kind of dabble with the IG. And, uh, yeah. I appreciate you uh, having me uh, on, and yeah, thank you very much. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and X under Finger Styles. You can find the podcast on X, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show and support those fine sponsors because if it helps them, it most definitely helps me out. And most importantly, please rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. And if this is the first time you listen to the podcast and you like what you heard, please go back and listen to other episodes featuring other pork chops like comedian Mike Rita, video game music composer T. Lopsh, How to Cook, Dave Rodriguez, and comedy Portuguese Bane Fate, just to name a few. All right, my friend, one last question before I let you go. You name drop it. I'm a huge fan of his. You worked on a Snoop show. Actually, I think you worked on his other show where he was a coach of football as well, right? Did you get to meet him in person and did you get to talk to Snoop Dogg? Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah, it, that was uh, that was a fun uh, project again with uh, director Rory Carf, and uh, that was bizarro, you know, to be uh, part of that. But I'll say this about Snoop, man, okay. he's a real dude. Really, like, that's what I always hear. He has done more good for more people than than most people know about, and he, he doesn't make a hoopla about it. Right. But seeing him involved with these, it, it was the his Pop Warner Football League as mm-hmm. well as kind of uh, his son with uh, on the high school level what he's done for people uh is amazing and he's he's one of the few celebrities i've worked with that literally will as long as you're not being obnoxious he will sign an autograph take a photo hear anything you want to say literally until his people say yo we gotta go we gotta go you know and uh he will do that man he does that and uh He's a he's a very cool individual, and it was it was. <laughs> I've had several moments where I'm like, "This is bizarre that I'm even here," but being on stage with Snoop performing in Sacramento with his entourage was was one of them. <laughs> oh, now I gotta know too. Did you get secondhand high off Snoop? 
You know what? Respectfully, I, I did not. I, 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 at the time, I was partaking a lot in that, but I didn't get, I mean, secondhand, yes, but I didn't get to have a peace pipe with my Oh, my, that would have been awesome, right? That would have been, yeah, that would have been maybe the, the, the kind of like, whoo, cherry, cherry on the cake there. On that note, he's Dean, I'm Steve, this is the podcast, peace. Peace.